Thank you very much, Brother Jeff. Appreciate that. Mark chapter number nine again today, if you would please. Mark chapter number nine. I have to say, I think that the cabin inspections are the most entertaining and dramatic cabin inspections I've ever seen in my life. That is great. I'm glad they make a big deal about that. Okay, Mark chapter 9, if you'll just find your place there. And the very first uh, morning time that we had together, our series, Christ Makes the Difference, the very first um, one was about knowing who he was. And remember the blind man and how that Jesus touched his eyes of the first time, and then he touched his eyes again, and then he saw more what? Clearly, more clearly. And I, and I hope and pray that by the simple fact you've been here, you've been tuned in. By the way, I appreciate the way that you've been listening and taking notes and, and really trying to take it in. And uh, most importantly, I hope and pray that you've been able to get a better glimpse to see more clearly who Jesus is. That's what this uh, week's all about, to see more clearly. And I know for sure that if we see who he is more clearly, the more you'll grow in adoration of who he is and love and worship and all those things. I'm telling you, it just puts it in place because uh, of who he is. So then number two, not only to know who he is, but to what? Follow. Follow who he is. Follow who he is, not who you want him to be or who others make him out to be, but to follow exactly who he is. And then yesterday we saw uh, not just to know and follow, but knowing who he is and following who he is, we saw this, you, you've got to what? Depend. Depend on who he is. Why? Because number one, he is what? Sufficient. Good. Which means he's more than what? Enough. Good. Okay, good. So he is sufficient. You are insufficient, and thus you need to depend on him. And so Jesus took his disciples, you know, up to the mountain, and there they saw him transfigured before them, and they, and they saw his glory. Uh, I was out last night with the First Baptist Church, Long Beach, and we went, uh, did the zip line at night. That was crazy. <laughs> Got to say that. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad they talked me into going ahead and doing it, you know, and I trusted the harness, and the harness worked, you know. So anyways, uh, but, uh, you know, we were out there, and, and one thing, and you could be anywhere here at night and look up and see just the, the stars. It's amazing. I mean, like the Milky Way, the Big Dipper. <laughs> I mean, just stars. Wow. It's overwhelming. And a lot of, the, a lot of, the, uh, a lot of you were saying last night, you know, we don't have these in Long Beach. <laughs> well, they're there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're there, but I feel I know exactly. I mean, I was overwhelmed by it last night. I really was. It's like I just couldn't stop looking up you know, with your mouth open. It's a little awkward, you know, but wow. <laughs> you know, well, the stars are always there. But, you know, when you live in the city, you know, we live in Oklahoma City. I mean, and you see streetlights, <laughs> but the stars are always there. OK, I, I just got to thinking about that. Hey, look. The Lord Jesus Christ is always as glorious as he is to you this week. But, but it's almost like you've got out of the city and all that comes with city life and all the distractions from seeing his handiwork and you've been able to gaze upon him. You get what I'm saying? Well, just remember when you go back to your hometown, he's still there. And he's still just as glorious. 
But through all the things of life, sometimes it's hard to see just how glorious he is. And that's why you need to come back to camp. <laughs> and that's why you need special times with him every morning to try to get a fresh glimpse of who he is. Know who he is. Follow who he is. Depend on who he is. And, and then it just kind of culminates into this one here this morning. Show others who he is. Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> get a good cough in here. If you know who he is and you see how glorious he is, I mean, I was so excited to tell you about those stars, right? Because it was just, it was breathtaking, okay? When you see who he is and you're following who he is and you're depending on who he is, then it really ought to just be a natural overflow. It's not like I have to go on visitation again. No, it's not that. It's that I, I get to go. I get to tell others how glorious he is. That's how it's supposed to be, okay? So take your Bibles down, turn in Mark chapter 9, and let's stand in honor of God's Word here. We'll do a little bit of Bible reading, and I want to preach to you this morning about showing others who He is. When others meet you, when others meet you, do they thereby have the opportunity to know who He is? Do they have access to Jesus because they met you? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Can others learn who Jesus is simply because they met you? All right, let's look at it here this morning. And we're going to look and see what does it take then to show others who he is. Verse 30 of Mark 9. Verse 30 of Mark 9. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples. Now watch this. This the second time he's going to teach them the same lesson. And said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. And they shall kill him. Talking about his crucifixion. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? How many of you think he already knew exactly what they were fussing about and fighting about? I think so. He knew what they were arguing about. Your parents know what you're arguing about, right? When you're there in the, they're driving, you know, and you're in the back seat and you're picking at one another. Hey, what are y'all talking about? Nothing. It's <laughs> exactly what the disciples are doing here. What was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? But they held their peace. For, by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Who should be the greatest? And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be, what? Last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he saith unto them, Whosoever shall receive one, such, one of such children in my name, receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him, him that sent me. And so then verse 38 and 39 is where John says, Master, you know, we saw someone casting out demons, and they weren't with us, and so we told them to stop. And Jesus said, don't tell them to stop. He corrects him. Okay, then the next part, he says, don't offend one of these little ones, verse 42. And he tells them that it'd be better for you that a millstone were hanged about your neck and you were cast into the sea, then that you would offend someone. 
cause them to stumble and fall. And so then he says, verse 43, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. And then he says in verse number 45, if your foot, if thy foot offends thee, then cut it off. Or if your eye, verse 47, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. So cut off your hand, cut off your foot, pluck out your eye. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? Okay. And so then he says, uh, for everyone that shall be salted with fire, verse 49, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And then he says this. Some of you will really like this part of the verse. Salt is good. Amen? <laughs> salt is good. Okay, now Jesus is using that different than what I'm thinking, but he's saying salt is good. It preserves, and it also is. It makes things appetizing. So salt is good, but if the salt is saltness, wherewith shall you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Salt makes a difference. Remember this, when Jesus has made a difference in your life, it's because he wants to make a difference, what? Through your life. So what does it take to show others who he is? Father, one more time we pray before we sit down and consider these verses. I pray for your help, and I thank you, God, for this week at camp. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time here this morning establishing that there's a great need for others to know who Jesus is. I mean, you, you, could, you could tell me how great the need is among your peers, that others would know who Jesus is in your neighborhoods, in your schools, and, and, and then some of you have been able to take a missions trip, and you've been able to see just how great the need is for the gospel to have further coverage. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we're more concerned about our cell phone coverage than we are about the gospel coverage. You know, we're like bummed out if you don't have a couple bars or a couple dots or whatever to be able to make a phone call, right? You know, and you find a little place where you can make a call and you're like, don't move. I got, I got signal right here, you know, and you have to stay in a certain way to get it or something, you know. Hey, we, we're concerned about, you know, having cell phone coverage but as believers who love Jesus and believers who have been transformed by the gospel, we really ought to be concerned that there are cities within California that do not have a good Bible-preaching Baptist church in it. We ought to be concerned that they don't have gospel coverage. You get what I'm saying? And, and be consumed with that. And, and, and uh, I'm telling you, you take a trip to India. I had occasion to go to southern India and, and to Sri Lanka. And you see the multitudes of people who have yet to hear a, a clear presentation for, for one time. We really ought to be concerned about those who have never heard. Who have never heard. And so we need to, we need to see that it is our, our role as believers. It's not our role as preachers. But it's our role as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so that's for everybody who knows him. And it's not, listen, it's not for us just to invite them to church, though that is a very, very good start. It's very important. And we invite people to church all the time. But we need to go one more step and share the gospel with them. Even if you don't see them pray right there, you can at least get things started in planting the seed and sharing the gospel. Because let me ask you this. Okay, stop and think with me here just a minute. How many people will come? If you invite 50 people to church, how many of those 50 do you think might, might come? How many do you think? How many would you say? Maybe five? Five? 
How many did you, how many did you say, Jackson? Two? Maybe two? I, th- I think probably, I think we're probably in the ballpark to say, if you invite 50, then you may have two come or in a real good day, right? You might have five come. Okay, let's say it's a real good day. Of those five who come to church, how many of those five do you think are maybe going to trust Christ as their Savior of those five? Maybe one, maybe, maybe two. I'm hearing one and two. I think you're probably exactly right. Okay, so now I want you to think about this with me. If we are depending on our church services to be the sole way of evangelism, which I'm all for people coming to church and, and being saved. Hey, listen, we have big days, friend days, and so forth. Try to get a whole bunch of people in and see a whole bunch of people saved. But if we depend solely on our church services to declare or proclaim the gospel, then of 50 people, how many are going to hear the gospel? Five on a good day, if five come, you know, that you invited to church or two right? You get the picture? But instead of just inviting people to church, if we at least share the gospel, invite and share the gospel with 50, then how many have heard the gospel? 50. 50 have at least heard the gospel. So Jesus has sent us out, not, and I hope you're getting what I'm saying. I'm not against inviting people to church. It's kind of a good idea, okay? But, and I know it's so scary to step out there and go ahead and say, could I, you know, as much as we'd like to invite you to church, could I just take a moment and ask you, has anyone ever shared with you how Jesus died in your place and how that he was buried and rose again? Hey, I just snuck the gospel right in there. Okay, just like that. See, people need to hear the message. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to challenge you. I'm just going to flat challenge you to, to go forth and, and to take opportunity as God gives it to you to actually share the gospel with someone. There may be some of you here, you're believers, and I think this would be typical of of our Baptist churches all across the land, that there are many people who have grown up in church who have never shared the gospel. Do you think that's right? Of course not. So what does it take? What does it take? Here's our question today, and we've got two answers to it. What does it take, what does it take to show others who he is. What does it take to show others who he is? Number one, you've got to live for others. You've got to serve others, not yourself. You've got to serve others, not yourself. How many of you would agree that we are selfish? Look at the friend beside you and say, you're selfish. See? Yep, that's right. You're selfish. You take selfies all the time, right? (laughs) Yep, see, we're selfish. We're selfish people. We truly are. I mean, think about what was going on. Okay, let me get your attention again. Sorry. Uh, Think about what was going on. Jesus, what did Jesus explain to his disciples? He was telling them once again how he was going to what? Die, be buried, and rise again. He was talking about his mission. And Jesus said, What was it that you were talking about among yourselves? Uh, Nothing. Watch this. He was focused on his mission. They were focused on their position. Isn't that amazing? He's talking about redemption. They're talking about, I'm the greatest. I mean, they were having the greatest discipleship award ceremony. (laughs) Who's going to be the greatest disciple? Peter says, I think I am. You guys stayed in the boat. I walked on the water. 
Judas says, yeah, but he trusts me with the money. <laughs> Andrew says, yeah, but Peter, you wouldn't even be here if I didn't bring you. Oh, you see how this is going? I mean, it says that they were disputing among themselves, and John says, yes, but I'm the closest to him, you know. And Thomas says, well, never mind. <laughs> I mean, they were having this award. And, you know, maybe you just came through the time, you know, in your high school where they have all the awards, and you've got, you know, cum laude, magna cum laude, summa cum laude, and then I like the award, Lottie dotty everybody. I mean, who, you know, I mean, really. <laughs> They were having all these awards. You know, who's going to be the greatest disciple? You know, and if we're not careful, we can get caught into that. Who's the greatest soul winner? You know, or who's the most humble person? You know, the person that wrote the book, Humility and How I Attained It. <laughs> the three greatest soul winners and how I led them all to the Lord. You know? I mean, <laughs> we can get caught into this. Who's the best? Who's the best preacher? Who, what's the best church? What's the best school? You know, and all these things. And it can get competitive among ourselves. Not if we have our eyes focused on the greatest one. Do you get what I'm saying? Not if we have our eyes focused on the greatest one. And I love competition. I love the fun that you've had, you know, with the greatest cabin. Who's the greatest cabin? I mean, all those things you have, you have all that going on. And that, that's all fun and good. But this was real serious because they were saying, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. It's kind of like Muhammad Ali. You know, Muhammad Ali, I mean, back in the day, I mean, he was, he was the greatest, he said. You know, he told everybody that. And, and, and a lot of people believed him. And so, in any case, I heard about him, though. He was flying on an airplane one time. And, and Muhammad Ali and, and the stewardess said, Mr. Ali, it's time to buckle up because we're about to take off. And, and, and Mr. Uh, Muhammad Ali said this. He said, Superman don't need no seat belt. She said, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up, please, you know. <laughs> so we could get inflated in our minds, and, and we're naturally selfish. We used to play a little game with our kids, and sometimes we still do. The person that I'm thinking of, and you begin to describe that person, and everybody tries to guess who you're talking about. You can even do it with Bible characters, you know, the person I'm thinking of, you know, preached out in the wilderness, ate locusts and wild honey, and, and, and who am I thinking about? John the Baptist. Okay, very good. So you get the idea. How many of you have played this game before? The person I'm thinking of. Okay, there's a few. And so we would do it. And so my little boy, Tyler, at the time, he was a little boy. I guess he was probably three. And, he, and it was his turn. And so he said, the person I'm thinking of has blonde hair and blue eyes. And of course, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. And we said, oh, who could it be? You know, is it? and then finally I said, it's you. He said, yes. And so he got to go again. So here he goes. The person I'm thinking of has blonde hair eyes. Okay. That's cute when you're three. <laughs> but you know, when you're 13 and the person I'm thinking of and you're still thinking about yourself, and then when you're 39 and the person I'm thinking of has no hair and blue eyes, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you can't make a difference in another person's life if you're always thinking about yourself. And so Jesus, Jesus did this. Jesus called a little child. I love this. In fact, when I preached it back at Southwest, I, I brought my little boy up, and he was like four, and I held him in my arms, and I interviewed him. You see? Okay, use your imagination here. And I, I was holding him in my, in my arms, and I said, Trevor, um, Trevor, where's your office? Do you have an office? <laughs> he said, no. Uh, Trevor, how much money do you have in your financial portfolio? I mean, what kind of IRAs do you have? And what's your bank account like? You know, what kind of interest are you drawing? <laughs> no idea what I was talking about. What kind of car do you drive? I don't drive a car. Okay, uh, Trevor, what kind of social networking do you do? I mean, who do you know that knows somebody? 
Do you get what I'm driving at? He doesn't have any power connections. He doesn't have any position. He doesn't have an office. He doesn't have a bunch of money. He's got a little Tootsie Roll piggy bank. But I mean, <laughs> what's that going to do? Okay. Do you know what Jesus was teaching his disciples when they were arguing among themselves about who is the greatest? He said, listen, if you want to be the greatest, then you be last. If you want to be first, then you be last. If, if you want to be the greatest, then you be the servant of all. And here's what you do. You serve somebody like this, a little child who can't do anything for you in return. Don't serve people for what they can do back for you. You serve people because God loves people. You know what you ought to do? You ought to invest some of your time as a young person going to a retirement center and loving on elderly people and listening to their stories. And they may tell them to you several times, but love it. You can learn so much. I'm telling you, it was so helpful for us to uh, get involved in Sorry, to get involved in, in, in retirement center ministries and to do preaching there and to sing there and, and just to get around and shake their hands. Hey, care about people like that. Get on a bus route. Start caring about family. Start caring about kids. I'm so thankful that my son, Tyler, a year ago started working on a bus route. And, and he got to lead his very first soul to Christ on the back of a bus, a young boy. And, and it's so, so much of a blessing. Hey, I'll tell you what. And then, listen... The workers went to follow up on him, and, and as a result of that, they led his dad to the Lord, and his dad's been coming every Sunday. Isn't that awesome? I'm so grateful to God that God helped my little boy, who is always the person think, I'm thinking of, and he still thinks about himself. <laughs> he still thinks about himself. I still think about myself. I have to get over it. And so do you, if you're going to make a difference. Care about that obnoxious person. Don't point at them right now in the youth group, but care about them. <laughs> Go to the unpopular people. Go to people that are all by themselves. Be a friend. Watch this. Be a friend to everybody. Not just to those who can get you somewhere. No, look, if you're going to make a difference, you've got to stop thinking about yourself and start, start serving others. Start serving others. Look at your summers as an opportunity in some way to serve others. Work in a vacation Bible school. Some of the workers here, we appreciate them, and they're investing their lives in others. See, you make a difference when you invest your life in somebody other than yourself. That's number one. Number one, serve others, not yourself, if you're going to make a difference. Are you with me? Say amen. 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 Number two. If you're going to make a difference, if you're going to show others who he is, number two, you must serve him with all of your life. Serve him with all of your life. Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones, it'd be better for you that you had a millstone hang around your neck and somebody took you out there to the lake and dropped you in it. That's pretty serious. You know what the word offend means? The word offend means like this. Stumble. Jesus is saying, don't you live in a way that would cause somebody who wants to come to me to stumble. How does that happen? It happens this way. I thought you were a believer. If you're a believer and you talk like that, what's the difference? There's no difference between me and you. You get what somebody could be saying? It, hey, Listen, if they look at a, at, at a group and they're fighting among themselves, if that's, what, if that's what Christianity produces, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't blame them. 
But if they get around you, and I love the spirit that is here, the joy and the unity and the, and, and, and the encouragement and, the, and just the way that you're doing right now. It, if I were a lost teen and I saw your youth group, I'd want to be a part of this. You get what I'm saying? But if some teenager comes and they see there's fighting in your youth group or there's selfishness in your youth group or, or, there's, or there's just, just sinful living, then it will cause somebody to stumble. And Jesus said this, instead of causing somebody to stumble, you need to get radical, radical in making some changes in your life. And so he says, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, Cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Now, how many of you think he's thinking literally? None, okay? Well, maybe one raise their hand. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not literally. But he's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to cut out things that would be a distraction to others. They say that uh, back in the day of portraits, whenever, you know, like, I'm just thinking about George Washington and such. You know, they, a lot of times it would just be like from the chest up. Do you know why that was? As, as I understand it now, somebody could correct me later if, if it's wrong, but when you'd go and, and like have a portrait uh, painted of you and your family or you, just you, <laughs> the first selfies, you know, as people would paint them. <laughs> if, the, <laughs> if the guy painted like your whole body, that was very expensive for them to do a whole full body portrait because obviously there's a lot more time. So a lot of people would just do like here up because if you did the full body, that would cost you an arm and a leg. That's where <laughs> somebody just got that, an arm and a leg. I understand that's where that comes from. I'm saying to you today that if you really get serious about following, you, following Jesus, it'll cost you a hand, a foot, an eye, a whole life. If you're real serious... If you're real serious about showing others who he is, it will cost you your whole life, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Let me run these things by here right quick. I wonder if you could name the last five World Series winners. How many of you think you could? I'm not, I'm not going to call on you and ask you to do that. Okay, I, I, see, I thought maybe Brother Ryan might be able to here. Yep. Last five, maybe some, yeah, I could name the 2011 <laughs> Cardinals. Anyways, okay. Could you name the last five NBA finalists? I know you could name one for sure this year's. <laughs> you could do the last five. I'm sure, I bet you could. Yep. Are you the only one? Maybe. Some others. Okay, the last five. Okay, good. I don't, I don't think I could even prove that you're right, so I don't know. I'm just going to take your word on it. How many of you could name the last five Nobel Peace Prize winners? <laughs> I couldn't name one, I don't think. Who could name the last five Miss Americas? Nah. <laughs> Not go there. Who could, uh, who could, uh, who could name the, uh, la the top five most wealthy people in the world? Okay. You could name a few of them. Most of their names, by the way, you probably couldn't even pronounce. The most five wealthy, five, I'm sure it's not anybody here, right? But let me ask you this. 
Could you name five people who made a major impact in your life? I bet you can mention a pastor or a pastor's wife or a youth pastor or a godly friend or a godly mom or dad. Huh? Hey, listen, it's not about having power and money and prestige. It's about serving God by serving others. I was talking to Mr. Todd this morning, and he was telling me a little bit what he was preaching there about how leadership is influence, and you have an influence on others for either the good or the bad. If you'll stop serving yourself and start serving others, and you'll serve the Lord with all of your life, you could be one of the five people that somebody would mention someday, hey, I want to thank God for. I'd say it like this. I want to thank God for a mom who kept me in church. I want to thank God for a pastor who's been a um, pastor there at Grace Baptist Church for 40, for 45 years this year. A lot of people wouldn't know Marvin Carson. That doesn't matter. He's been faithful to serve the Lord. I want to thank God for a Joe Decker, who's my father-in-law. I guess you ought to thank God for your father-in-law, right? <laughs> but he was faithful as my youth pastor and faithful to this day to be an encouragement to me. Well, thank God for my wife and what an investment she makes in my life and a help. I want to thank God for Craig Carson. I mean, I could just keep going. The people who made a difference in my life. And they may not be the most powerful, the most prestigious, but I'll tell you what they were. They were faithful to the Savior that they loved. And that'll make a difference. And God can use your life to make a difference. Know who He is. Follow who He is. Depend on who he is and show others or declare who he is because he's so great. Father, thank you for your love and helping us to get a glimpse. In many ways, God, I think we all would agree we don't want to leave here. It's been good for us to be here, to get a fresh glimpse of who you are. And so uh, now, dear Lord, I pray that as we even go into a time of just... Um, pondering who you are and doing our personal devotions, doing some Bible reading, praying that, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. Pray that you'd keep everyone safe today in the activities, help the activities just to draw them closer together. Help us not to get caught up in the, um, in the competitions like the disciples were about who was the greatest disciple. Help us just to get focused on the greatest Savior, the only Savior, and help us to serve others even in radical ways, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.